Welcome everybody to another podcast of Mad Femmes. Tonight we're talking about episode three of Mad Men season five and all hell is breaking loose, frenzy and mayhem, and we're going to talk about that now. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. And I'm Rachel Horowitz, also in Oakland. And we're missing Brandy Sperry in Seattle because she is gallivanting in Vietnam, but she's here in spirit with us. We'll try to guess what she would say throughout. <laughs> <laughs> She'll love that. Yeah. Um. So guys. Sorry. Oh, keep going. Go please. ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So, ladies, what a very awesome episode. You know, I love Mad Men episodes that are this thematically tied together. Do you guys agree? Totally. And I actually jumped up and cheered during this episode. What, what did, should we ask what you cheered about? Uh, I think we know the Jones speech. I totally got up and did like a cheerleader kick and was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Well, I think we'll get to that in a second because I think that was definitely has my vote for most satisfying moment on television in a long while. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start out by talking about the fact that, okay, so the episode's called Mystery Date. Very dark, very gothic. We totally called it on our last podcast that... Betty Draper's house is really creepy. I love how many people mentioned that in this time, kept calling it the haunted house. And so yeah. it, it, it felt very almost breaking the fourth wall of like joking with the audience, but I really enjoyed it. It was everyone noticed it. We totally called it. And I feel like that house really embodies the creep factor and the unsettling factor of uh, this episode. Um, so quickly, I was trying to wrap my mind around, you know, what it all means. There's so much. What does it mean? And I was reading a review by Deborah Lip um, over at Press Play. And I think this sentence kind of sums up a lot of it before we jump into the specifics. I'll read it for you guys. The swirling mass of chaos that is 1966 is affecting all the characters. Divorce, Vietnam, racial tension, sexual anxiety, promiscuity, rape, violence, drugs, the generation gap. They're all here. Don't you guys think that's pretty perfect? Mm. Yep. It's I, all in there. I love it. This episode really got me excited about the season two because it really reminds me of Rabbit Redux, the book by John Updike. I don't know if anybody's read that. The Rabbit series? No, have not. What I love about um, the Rabbit the Rabbit series is each book really embodies the time period. And the book about the 60s is so fucking crazy. And... I, you, it's just like anything could happen because it was such a volatile time in our history. And so it's really interesting to see how each episode's really tied to a historical event in the 60s. And that I feel like already everything in this season is breaking the rules of what Mad Men has been in the last seasons. Yeah, totally. All right, I'm, I'm completely obsessed with Richard Speck's Wikipedia entry. <laughs> I'm reading all the lurid details of his terrible life. Well, everyone at the firm is very obsessed with the lurid details, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's introduced by Peggy's friend coming in with those photographs. Can you imagine what they were looking at? Crime scene Ugh. photographs? They're, yeah, they're totally into it. They're totally obsessed. 
it it's kind of you know even sally draper is obsessed like everyone's preoccupied with this violence and it's specifically sexual violence which is interesting with the whole don draper fever scene and then he's committing an act of sexual violence totally so let's get let's get straight to that so we open basically with Don and wife Megan getting in the elevator. And like, I've been waiting for this type of awkward scene. This random lady who we've never seen before, but I'm assuming, you know, between Don's divorce and Megan, he had a fling with her. Um, and she's just like unzipping his pants, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan's all, I'm his wife. It's Mrs. Draper to you. And Don gives Megan the, like, what? I used to have sex with lots of people. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a reminder to Megan that she's, you know, has she truly reformed Don? Well, and it's always just creepy when you run into an ex of, you know, your boyfriend or husband's ex. It's just awkward. Awkward. Yeah. I mean, how many people do you think Don has slept with? Like, a lot. <laughs> like, I would say 30. This should be happening to him every single day, actually. <laughs> should be running totally. into some woman. Because totally. he's not that smart about it. He just picks up anybody. So he's probably slept with everybody on every floor of that building already. Every waitress in every diner. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it did that. Sorry, honey. Megan, Megan is like, oh, well, we could go to some neighborhoods where I could run into some people I used to quote unquote work with. Which, again, seems to be hinting at some sort of future impropriety on her part. I just feel oh, like yeah. Gonna you do think something. she's going to cheat? I don't know. I feel like the tables are going to be turned and and I don't know. That's she's a really gonna... interesting idea, Therese. I didn't even think about that, but I think you're right. There definitely are some seeds that maybe he's really going to get what's coming to him that he, he you know, he's trying to push her into this wife role and maybe she's way more than that. I think whatever happens, I don't think their future is bright and rosy. I think there's so much kind of unfolding around an ominous future for these two um, and, and that their marriage will face some serious challenges. And so it leads me to ask you ladies, when did you know, Dawn, was it a dream? Was there any point in which you thought it was a real situation with that lady totally. stopping? I totally... I totally thought it was real <laughs> because I think Don is such a jerk <laughs> that I could see him completely mishandling this whole situation. And, you know, when he was on top of her choking her to death, um, I thought, oh, okay, I guess this <laughs> is really happening. I I had a hard time. Be I was like, is this a dream? I, I don't know. Is it a dream? Because I, I'm with you, Therese. I could believe that he could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would she figure out where he lived? And I mean, there's some there's some completely nonsensical stuff happening that if you thought about it, you know, you'd realize, oh, well, this this can't really be happening. My brain computed that early scene in a like a hilarious way. I was like, well, I guess before text messaging and looking up on Google and being able to like ping someone, maybe ladies just dropped by. <laughs> Like that's, that's not seen as stalkery behavior. Maybe you're like in lieu of texting, you know, you just knock on someone's door. Well, he's probably in the phone book. She could have looked him up in the phone book, I guess. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I was watching with my sister and my sister is like, this isn't happening. And I'm like, yes, it's happening. He's such a jerk. 
<laughs> he was right. Well, the part that was the weirdest, the the biggest stretch for me, to be honest, was like, he looks disgusting. He's got contagious flu. And she's like, ooh, baby, I want a piece of that sweaty upper lip on me. It was just like, <laughs> what are you, like, something's off here because no woman in her right mind would be like, yes, please give me whatever is happening in your awful body right now. The next morning when Megan's like, when he's like, where were you? I thought she was going to be like, on the couch, you were sweaty and disgusting. She was like, I was <laughs> by you the whole time. I mean, just one last note on the disgusting, sweaty Don. <laughs> I like when he's in the office and he looks horrible and he clearly has the flu and he's coughing and then he lights up a cigarette. Oh, it killed me. I don't know why. It really grosses me out when I see people smoking who are that sick. Wait, did it gross you out more or less than seeing Betty smoke while pregnant? Um, More. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of did for me, too. I don't know why. It's like, it shouldn't be. He's only hurting himself. I'm like, uh, drink some broth. I can't stand watching you light up when you're like this. I can't believe you would actually be like, ugh, drink some broth. <laughs> <laughs> you're going like, to say orange juice. God, I'm always telling people, why don't you just drink some broth already? <laughs> it's like Dawn brings out my, like, nascent maternal instinct. Okay, so be, well, let's get into Peggy's evening with Dawn in a second. Um, but everyone's super creeped out. She's working late. I've never felt the office, you know, I've never thought of it as a creepy place. But they kind of turn, when Peggy's alone and she hears noises, it's really scared. She's really scared. So so Richard Speck, Therese, what's the, who is this guy? So this episode of Mad Men took place right after July 13th, 1966, which is the day that this guy, Richard Spack, broke into this townhouse in Chicago and systematically raped and murdered eight student nurses that were all living in this dormitory together. A ninth um, hit under a bed, hence all the hiding under the bed imagery in the show. She hid under the bed and she escaped. Um, to tell the tale and this guy Speck was like bad news from the day he was born and um, the whole thing was really shook everyone up and um, in fact the Wikipedia entry which is my source for all this information um, already has the madman citation in it so some oh. madman man just like ran like a bunny to the Wikipedia page to, to put it in so wait I want to we were talking about how this is all thematic let's think about this i love that we were saying you know that she hid under the bed and she survived this awful thing that was coming for her and it's really i loved how female centric this episode was i think we all did that's why we're so jazzed up so maybe let's think about like what it, it's almost like each female character is trying to escape something that's threatening her like joan is trying to get away from this relationship uh, with greg that's threatening her well the Joan line too is so incredible because he, they really flesh out the fact that he feels like a man. He feels masculine. And Oh my God, her line, I'm sick of trying to make you feel like a man. Snap. Right. But I think also Peggy has a really great moment where she's saying that she, she's trying to act like a man and we see her act like a man in her awesome negotiation scene with Sterling 
And, you know, but she's also trying to escape. I mean, it's it's threatening to her, this world of men and her becoming a man and her losing herself and her drinking too much. I mean, I think that that's like her, the thing that's threatening her is losing herself and her femininity in her ambition. I think a lot of this stuff plays into Roger's line. Um, I think the episode before this around, well, will things get back to normal? And I think normal is up in the air at this point for these characters, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, from things are pretty senseless, you know, and they're random and they don't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, And that's kind of how I felt like, you know, the ties to this sort of random senseless act of violence um, was playing out throughout the story, you know, and I think, Peggy and and Dawn making sense between not you know feminism and a woman's place in a man's world and how does that you could tell she was really became self-conscious about you know racial equality and and Dawn is you know going through being a woman and being an African American I really enjoyed their conversation because they both are dealing with adversity but it's different and and what's interesting is they both allude to that they're both dealing with violence because of being a woman or being African-American. So that was really interesting as well. I um, I was very excited about the whole Don and Peggy um, conversation and bonding, but I still feel like, like, I still, I want to know more about Don. She's, it's, it's really all Peggy just kind of bouncing stuff off of Don. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I really want Dawn to have a storyline like her real storyline. Um, I think and she I was will wondering... get it. I think she will get it. I think right now she's just a symbol, but I think they're gonna flesh her out soon. Yeah, I was like I was like trying to feel like Dawn would feel sort of watching Peggy clumsily trying to you know relate and and be a friend and and um, Dawn seemed to be very understanding of Peggy's you know, sort of just clumsy attempts, attempts to relate to her. Um, and I wasn't sure the whole, the whole thing with the purse, of course, um, you know, I don't know if, you know, I, I, much has been made about Peggy, like hesitating and wanting to take her purse, but I would, I would do that <laughs> no matter who was sleeping on my couch. I would still take my stuff and put them in my room or something. Well, you are totally, I was reading a bunch of comments on Jezebel and stuff, and this is, this is a lot of people have the same reaction, you know, that yeah. purse, purse on a table. I think it's meant to be pretty ambiguous. We're meant to be, I think, questioning, and I think Peggy questioned herself. Did I do that because I would never leave my purse on the table ever? Because a purse is a private thing? Or did I just racially profile my new friend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, to me, I feel like so much of the clumsiness isn't about race. It's about Peggy doesn't relate to women very well. I mean, her and Joan have a very strange adversary friendship thing going on. And she's spent so much time trying to be a man to the point that she's really drunk because that's what the men do. That I think what I saw in her this episode, she's really lost. I don't think she really knows who she is right now. And she's not very good at making female friends. I took it the exact same way Therese did. I was thinking the entire time it was like, 
blah 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 me 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 totally the the peggy show and i was thinking this is a very similar setup to a movie like the blind side where the white character is having all kinds of epiphanies and aha moments with their (laughs) new black friend and the new black person in their life says nothing you know is john gonna be an amazing football player is that gonna be her storyline because that's gonna be pretty cool she'll be peggy's you know magical you know what well, I do have to say that I, I'm going to put money down now that when it's the 80s, Peggy's going to be wearing like big shoulder pad uh, pants suits so she can look like a man. <laughs> can we just talk about Peggy's green shoes, which I think if Brandy were here, she would say, oh, my God, those shoes <laughs> and the tie. Oh, just oh. after after those uh, horrible outfits that she's been wearing. Oh, rocking those shoes. She's really, she's not easing into this era fashion very easily. It's really been pretty clumsy and awkward. I'm just so happy she doesn't have those dumb curly bangs anymore. Those were the worst. (laughs) And that little one curl ponytail, I'll take the the schoolgirl outfits over that hairstyle any day. It's true. I thoroughly enjoyed watching her negotiate with Roger. I just thought she was fantastic. But also, this is this is how low Roger has fallen. That <laughs> nobody respects him in the whole office. And I know that Peggy's gotten a lot more tough and outspoken, but it's also partly because Roger has just been diminished to a comic figure. And where is he getting all that money from, anyways? He looks part of some kind of money laundering. <laughs> He has family money. He's just he's just loaded. I read somewhere that the equivalent today would be like two thousand four hundred dollars that he gave her. Wow. I love her line when she's like, he's like, well, how much do you make a week? She's like, oh, you don't know. That's to my advantage. (laughs) Yeah, she was. I mean, I gave like a mini cheerleader kick for this scene. Uh, (laughs) I was really, really excited, mainly because Peggy's been such a drag so far in this season, and I we haven't seen the spunk, you know, and she's so talented, and I just, I love seeing her on fire, and this is the first we've seen her on fire in this season, and it was just a delight. Yeah, her and Dawn have both been really drags up until, you know, this episode. Dawn's murdering people, which is great, and <laughs> Peggy had some sass, but uh, I know, like, Roger is really messing up this mohawk thing for himself. Like, I, I think something's bad. Okay, well, this leads me to, I've taught, there's a lot swirling online. I've talked to a lot of people and there's so many allusions to death throughout the season so far. I mean, are you guys watching all these rumors like the ledge, Pete Campbell, like someone is going to die and maybe it's Roger. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to top that that uh, tractor scene from a few or lawnmower scene from a few years ago. But yeah, there has been these weird, yeah. Dropping things off ledges. I don't know. And Ida uh, okay. Chip died last year. They usually have a tragedy every year, I guess. Maybe my prediction is that Roger throws himself off a ledge. Ooh, that mm. would be dark. Wow. Well, this isn't a, this isn't, this, this isn't a feel good show guys. That's true. A moment of silence, contemplating, contemplating yeah. Roger. I think Pete would have a total breakdown. 
Because, I mean, we know the seeds are being planted that it's just going to get more and more brutal between the two of them. I mean, I think this next episode is going to be all about how whatever, you know, Peggy comes up with, with this Sterling plan is going to totally blow up and him and Pete are going to have a big confrontation. Wait, you guys, the opening credits is a man falling down the building. (gasps) You're right. Do you think someone's finally going to fall off of out of a window through why did ads? why did why do they mention that why is there so much death and that ledge talk i don't know okay you called it we'll see what happens okay cool so let's talk about um kind of the only male storyline i mean i just loved how female heavy this episode was was uh ginsburg kind of pulling a number on dawn at the pitch yeah the young yeah, the young people are really shining, you know. Although I thought his I thought his his Cinderella thing was kind of disturbing. Oh, it was really dark. Well, I think he is kind of I mean, it's interesting because well, I say he, I think he is kind of dark, but then we started the episode and he was the one that was like, "Hey guys, this is really fucked up. Let's not do this." So, it's interesting that they show him against dark thoughts and then embracing them later. He's an he's an interesting character. I I think he's gonna have a lot of surprises. You know, if if somebody suggested that today, like that scenario of you know Cinderella, like sort of asking for being attacked in a dark alley, you know that like Jezebel would be all over it, and Change.org would have a petition, and you totally. know, <laughs> and that's why I'm happy I live now and not in the sixties. I'm listening to him pitching it, and I'm just like, ew, ew, that's awful, that's awful. I don't like Ginsburg, but, you know, maybe he'll win me over. Right now, I don't like him. Well, yeah, I don't think we're supposed to like him as empowered women. I don't I don't think we're supposed to. I mean, and he's also got this annoying, like, fly buzzing in your ear feel to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I thought was really interesting about this scene is he was, as a character, when he came in, he was posed as Peggy's competition, but what I really thought this scene showed was he is Dawn's competition. Dawn is becoming an old relic. He's not evolving. And here's mm-hmm. this guy that's not intimidated by him. Oh, totally. He reminded me of Dawn in the first season. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the telling, really walking the client through the story of the pitch, really, you know, drawing them in mm-hmm. um, and, and, and telling, like painting this picture with your words like totally what we've been we I said it last time I totally missed the pitch from Don like the work scene yeah we haven't seen him pitch anything really interesting <laughs> I guess maybe when he was bombed and he did the life serial one in season four and look how that turned out yeah that's the only time we've really seen him pitch anything in the last couple seasons yeah and Don's clearly threatened he's like think of those ideas in front of me but the guy the kid was great on the spot you know albeit dark and weird but yeah but he's got a chutzpah he's got some chutzpah that jew (laughs) did i sound sound jewish enough when i said it yeah good job i'm an honorary jew so i try yeah that would be kind of a chutzpah chutzpah got it i'll work i'll work on it i don't see any like deep friendship between him and peggy though i i I feel like I've been reading, you know, various commentators that I really like who have been doing recaps. And 
I feel like I'm so at odds with their assessments of, of Ginsburg, who they think is like great, and Megan, who everyone thinks is so sharp and perceptive and interesting and deep. And I don't like either of them. And I was really trying to figure out why, why I was so kind of against both of them. And they're like these people that just like showed up at the party and suddenly became the center of attention without earning it. Mm -hmm. I I don't want people to overshadow my Peggy, you know? I know I have such loyalty to Peggy. Yeah. He just like gets there and like gets all the, you know, well, I'm glad Peggy had a good. Is it like that really awful episode in the third season of Lost where they just brought in that ridiculously good looking couple for one episode and then everybody got so mad that they killed them off the next episode? Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody was like, you haven't done anything with the plot. Who the fuck are these pretty people? Conveniently <laughs> killed in the next episode. Hilarious. That's exactly it. That's how it. Peggy has such sharp instincts, though. I've never, I have actually have not thought of her as the most creative person, you know? She's not this, like, bubbling over and, like, it's not as if she has her finger on the pulse of popular culture. So I think this Ginsburg thing is interesting because I, I, I think the way she found him and identified the talent, I feel like she's shaping up to be much more of a leader, you know, someone who could start a... No, she's totally going to be an ad executive in her... And her shoulder pad suit. It's going to be awesome. So yeah. maybe to that end, hopefully we get to see her guiding and using Ginsburg's talent to help advance her own career, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you guys, let's talk about Joan. Oh, my God. This Joan storyline was so satisfying. I mean, I had like 10 orgasms over it. It was so ah! amazing because... With the orgasm metaphor, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we finally got the big kabam. I, I just, I, what I loved is I know that we have all been infuriated that, was it three seasons ago that he raped her in? Yeah. 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 And it was never mentioned. And, you know, I think I've been kind of placating myself like, oh, it was a different era, Shannon. They didn't really talk about rape, you know, but to see Joan grow in herself and grow in her power and to still have accepted that has been really difficult for me. And then to just see her be, to say, you have never been a good man and you know what I mean. I mean, I have goosebumps right now. I jumped up, I screamed, I cheerleader kicked. It was just like, thank you. What an evolution of a character. I loved it. I I really liked your third person. emotions over the storyline I want to do the same thing one point I was like Rach sometimes women got raped by their boyfriends but Rach that's so wrong how can she love a man like that I don't know Rach (laughs) you know when I was watching this and he walked in the first time when he shows up my first comment out loud was oh the rapist looks good in a uniform (laughs) I I think he (laughs) I think he's known online as Dr. Rapist Dr. Rapist, yeah. I mean, he's not even that good of a doctor. That's right. Much better. I just want to show my son how good I am with my hands. I can (laughs) put mayonnaise on bologna. So, oh my god. Oh yeah, he's such a dick, you guys. Like, 
But can we talk about how Joan's mom is the ultimate wing woman? It was just cracking me up. I was like, oh, honey, let me just get out of here so you can bone down. Do you have yeah. you have any lube? Do you need me to go get you some? I mean, it was just like <laughs> this mother was cracking me up. <laughs> I was thinking about Joan's mom as she contrasts with Grandma Pauline, who I've never really cared about one way or another. But in this episode, it was just like, oh, my God, Grandma Pauline, you are now my favorite Mad Men character. <laughs> <laughs> She's so hilarious. Oh, my God. She's I kept thinking of hilarious. Umbridge from... Harry Potter Order of Phoenix. I just keep thinking of Umbridge. She gives Sally drugs. She is lurid and awesome, and she's eating bugles, and she gives Sally a second all, which, by the way, is how Judy Garland died. <laughs> that image, you guys, of Sally under the couch. Oh, yeah. Whoa, creep. It was so intense. Do you know that Twitter was going crazy with a hashtag that said Sally is dead? Yeah, I did yeah. see that. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible for us West Coasters because what? Talk about a spoiler. Like a, a false spoiler. Twitter. I was, was like, what? Brilliant. I was just tweeting away. I can usually like scan over spoiler tweets, you know? But when a hashtag is like starting to trend and everyone in my timeline is using it, I, my brain, Therese, I saw you tweeting from uh, Mad Femmes, but I was like, wait, wait, no, what? This cannot be. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was too wonderful to resist. It's um, also funny, though, because when I got after seeing that on Twitter, when we got to the end of the episode, it was hilarious, you know, to understand that that's where the hashtag sprang from. So funny. That was such a creepy episode. They're sitting in the haunted house and Sally is like the camera pulls out and you see Sally under the couch. But she's a survivor. I mean, there's also this great imagery of like, we know Sally's a survivor. She's got this fucked up family, really bad Mm -hmm. female role models. And I mean, I love her whole complaining to Dawn on the phone at the start of the episode was just like this wonderful little snapshot. It was great. Mm-hmm. I love that Sally's hair is a fucking mess in this episode. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. You guys, my favorite Sally isn't dead Sally. It's hot mess Sally. She's a total hot mess in this episode. <laughs> That's my favorite hot mess Sally. Uh, she's gonna start stealing her mom's diet pills and then for her uppers and her downers will be from grandma pauline it's like i feel like every episode they're hinting at some terrible train wreck that sally could become like now they're just playing with us uh, yeah that's true eating disorders she's gonna be a wonderful train wreck <laughs> oh man yeah Therese, you're right it's like if we're not worried she's gonna like have a eating disorder or like run away and be a runaway kid or have like a drug addiction like you know alcoholism she's been drinking for a while it's like (laughs) (laughs) well I love that baby Jean is just like wandering around I mean how is this kid still alive I mean how has someone (laughs) not left him at the gas station by now or something (laughs) totally Next, next, next episode, baby Jean's going to be cutting and <gasps> Sally Draper is going to be like snorting coke. 
Or are they going to do one of those weird things where all of a sudden baby Jean is six years old? You know, that they do on TV shows sometimes. Totally. Uh, So all in all, you guys, fantastic episode. Let's give it up for Matthew Weiner and team. I did just want to say one more thing, which is I'm really excited about. I guess I've kind of been hoping for this for a long time that I kind of want Peggy and Joan to become besties. I mean, I've kind mm-hmm. of wanted a long time. And I think that Joan being really strong, being a single mom, I feel like mm-hmm. that's going to bring Peggy and her together in this way that they both have made hard choices about children. They're both ambitious. I think that they started off as very different people, but they're making really similar choices and, they, and they're becoming more similar as the seasons go on. Well, things are getting really interesting at the office because you have... Um, you know, the older generation that is becoming very useless very quickly. Don's no longer the go-to pitch man. Roger's pointless as an account manager. Hmm. And you've got this office full of others, you know, African-American secretary, a female copywriter in Peggy, a single mom in an office manager, a Jew who's able to do the creative pitches, you know, like it's almost as if this outside world full of non-white males is descending upon the company and i think that's kind of thank the, god the, yeah i think the melting pot's going to get really interesting and maybe more of the mid-60s will play a role in the day-to-day you know goings-on of the of the agency well i have one more prediction um peggy and pete's baby the fact that they had a baby together yeah that, I mean, it's that got to come the, out it's got, I mean, that's like from the beginning of of the series and now we're in season five and it it has to it has to explode one day. But I think this is going to be a Professor Snape situation and it's going to be the second to last chapter of the entire series, you know, the entire Mad Men series before that comes out is my bet. I thought they I thought they were hinting at it when they played, you know, past the baby with Joan's baby and Pete and Peggy had that awkward moment. I, I, so I feel like there's little I think Teresa's right. There's little crumbs. Yeah. Well, and, you know, now him and Trudy have a baby. I mean, I love that episode from season four when Trudy's super pregnant in the bathroom talking to Peggy. And it's so awkward. Awkward. Yeah, that's that's way more awkward talking to a woman in the bathroom who your husband already had a baby with is more awkward than being in an elevator with a lady that's grabbing your husband's junk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. True. Yeah. Yep. You can hear well, me. Well, now right. that I now that I've worked junk into this podcast, I feel I feel good. Yeah. I think we've hit all the points now that you've said junk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we come to the end of our podcast. Uh, so leave the nightlight on tonight. Sleep with a knife by your bed. You never know who might be hiding under it. And we will see you next week for our next Mad Femmes podcast. I love the you never know who could be hiding. It could be a feminist or a Jew. <laughs> Better take five sleeping pills just in case. <laughs> Nighty night, everyone. Nighty night. How many times do I have to say to get away, get gone?
Good for me. 